You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, a senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We have a great author on our program today. We want to welcome Lauren Dykovich. She's a two-time author. She's an expert on loving someone with Alzheimer's and a brand new book out, When Only Love Remains. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for spending time with us today. You know, um, it's am- amazing things happen when you step out there and you start to talk about the personal uh, details around people's personal stories and so much people, so many times people hold things close, but you've chosen not to do that. You were 25 years old when your mother was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. What was that like? Yeah. Being 25, uh, you know, I didn't know anybody else that had a parent that had Alzheimer's or anyone that was going through it. I really didn't know anything about the disease itself and kind of just thought it was your typical memory loss and she's forgetting things and stuff like that. So I really didn't know what to expect or what to think about it and just felt really alone and isolated because I didn't know anyone else who was going through it or anyone who could relate to what I was going through. And, you know, as time has progressed and you've put this story out there, what were some of the aha moments that that uh, kind of felt alone? You didn't know if anybody else was facing this. What did you find? I think it was just realizing that there are a lot of people that are dealing with this. It was just maybe people weren't talking about it or I just hadn't connected with them yet. You know, I felt like I was the only one my age that had a mom that had Alzheimer's and the things that I was feeling, I felt like a crazy person for some of the thoughts and some of the feelings. And like, I was just losing my mind, um, suffering with my mom, losing my mom slowly to the disease. And once I learned that there were other people who were going through it and they did have some of the same, most of the same thoughts and feelings that I did, it really validated my experience and just really made me realize that I wasn't alone. There were a lot of other people going through it. I just didn't know them in my real life, but I was still able to connect with them thanks to social media and blogging and things like that. And it just really made me feel a sense of community and that I wasn't crazy and that I wasn't the only person that was dealing with this. Well, you know, before the show, we were talking about when you actually learned about this at the age of 25, I think um, we were talking about that was probably around 2010. Uh, yes. And we were talking about even how much technology has changed since then in such a short amount of time to where, you know, I try to think back and, and you know, you couldn't find really a lot of online resources about any topics, much less like social groups where you could share your stories and things like that. What do you think nowadays Uh, What would be different? I mean, what do you hope is different for people that are finding out this news? Let's say they're at the same spot you were when when you were 25 and they're finding that out today. What do you hope by sharing your story and doing all that you're doing that that their experience 
through this difficult time? How do you hope that's different? I just hope that once they get the diagnosis for, that a parent has Alzheimer's disease, they can just do a quick search on, you know, Google, Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, wherever, and find something right away as what they're looking for as a personal connection to someone else that's going through it. When my mom was diagnosed, um, I Googled it. I Googled Alzheimer's or I don't even know if I knew the term early onset Alzheimer's, but just trying to look up any information. And all I could find was the Alzheimer's Association website, which they have a wealth of information and a lot of resources on there. But it wasn't really a personal connection to someone that was sharing their story that someone who, you know, looked like me or was my age or someone that I felt like was in my life, same life stage that I could relate to. And that's really what I was looking for. Someone else who was going through this that I could connect with sharing personal stories. And now, you know, I'm fairly confident that just a quick type in the search bar on Instagram, they'll find dozens, if not more of accounts of young women um, or women of, of all ages and not just the parent that has Alzheimer's, but someone who's caring for a spouse or a grandparent. And then in finding that they'll, you know, pretty immediately realize that they're not alone. They're not the only one going through this and that they'll have someone that they can reach out to and somewhere that they can go turn to for support and just to try to help them through what they're going through and how they feel and just all the things that, I suffered silently with for a long time. Yeah. So you are using your writing skills to give back, to share very personal stories in hopes that other people realize that they have support group around them and kind of help them know that they're not alone and other people go through this. I think some of the interesting things um, about your story, there's a lot of interesting things, but this was um, as sometimes happens with early onset uh, a, a 10 year, I guess, battle or time period where you helped your mother, you lived through this for not just a short amount of time. That's essentially a decade that you lived alongside your mother, helping her with this. And I'm, it sounded like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you were going through some big life changes yourself. I think um, you, you got married during this time period which was also a, a, an emotional high for a lot of reasons. Can you talk us through just some of those periods through 10 years of life? And I'm sure there was highs and lows just like in anyone's life, but alongside a mom who has Alzheimer's during that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was 25 when my mom was diagnosed and I was 35 when she passed away. So if you think about those years between 25 and 35, they're pretty formative years of your adult life. I got engaged to my current husband, I think it was days or a week or so after my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, just the realization that my mom wasn't going to be able to help me plan my wedding. And five years prior, she was very much a part of my sister's wedding and planning that and just seeing the, the major difference between what she did then and what she was doing now, which was pretty much nothing. She really couldn't help me. Um, and I, tr I really wanted to include her and I, I wanted my mom to be there and I wanted her to be a part of it. Uh, but I had to realize that it was never going to be the way that I had always pictured. And it was really, really difficult um, to try to just 
press on and continue planning and living, you know, my life and also trying to include my mom when I could, but realizing it was almost harder to do that, to bring her along and things like that. Um, and then after, uh, actually think it was during the year that I was planning my wedding, we bought our first house and, again, it was the same thing. My mom couldn't buy me like a housewarming present. I remember she would come over to my house and she would keep her coat on and she would keep her purse with her. And she didn't, it was like, she was uncomfortable in her own daughter's house. It was like, it was a stranger's house and she was just uncomfortable being there. And I wasn't going to have what my sister had because she, my sister's only 11 months older than me. Uh, but she married her high school sweetheart. So she was married a few years before I was, and it was a drastic difference and realizing that I was never going to have that. Um, and I was working my first full-time job at the time. Uh, I was a police officer and working shift work and like a crazy schedule and helping other people, but I couldn't help my own parents. And after a time realizing that this isn't what I want to do with my life. So I, I quit my, my first full-time job as an adult. And I started helping to take care of my mom, which I did off and on for a few years um, because life does not stop when your parent is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, I moved away twice during her illness to support my husband's career um, and how difficult that was being away from her. Um, and then moving back you know, eventually and, and taking care of her again. And, and so there's just a lot of things in there that it's, it's just incredibly difficult to manage all of that and deal with it. Um, while your parent is suffering from this disease, you feel like you have to put it all on hold. And I, so many times during her illness, I said kind of mostly to myself, you know, I'll just wait until after she dies. And then after my mom dies, I'll do this thing or I'll do that or I'll pick my life back up again. And I lost a lot of years in that time. Um, and it was also almost like living two parallel lives, one of high and, and joy and success and you know, all the positive things in life. And then one really low life of negative depression and grief and guilt and just every bad emotion that you could possibly think of, but you're living both of those at the same exact time. And so it's just really hard to, to kind of balance that and to just keep living your life with all of this, juggling all of these emotions and all these things along with whatever life throws at you, you know, during that time, 10 years is a long time. So you touched on a lot there, but one <laughs> thing I want to um, kind of maybe dissect a little bit on because of our listener base, which is, um, you know, majority senior living professionals that I think even from personal experience, um, if you haven't been through, um, what you've been through, it's, it's always hard to relate. Right. But as senior living professionals, we see the other side where we're being, introduced to people like you on a daily basis. And we're, um, I would say one of the many emotions that you pointed out, highs and lows that you were going through, you, you mentioned the word guilt. And that was something that I see as a, a pattern that almost every single person, family member, adult child um, that comes into one of our senior living communities at some level 
there's a certain amount of guilt. And I'm sure there's lots of reasons for that. But help us understand as a as an adult daughter, what what is the best thing that we can do as providers in helping to um, support an individual through this difficult time uh, in helping with a, a family loved one? I think people are looking for a solution to this disease. And because you can't fix it and you can't make your loved one better, you're always going to feel guilty for something. And I don't know that there's really any way to take that away or to make that go away. Uh, there's no way you can do that for someone else. And there's no way for someone to do that for themselves. It, it comes with loving the person that much that you don't want to see them suffer and you don't want to see them go through it. You just want to fix it. You just hope that you can someday do enough that it's going to make them better or make things okay. And there's just enough is, is just impossible. That's, that's not a standard of care because what's enough it's, you're always going to be pushing the bar farther. And instead of trying to do enough, people should just focus on trying to do their best. And I think that's, you know, for care providers just to support and encourage people in that their loved one is being taken care of and that they're doing the right thing by getting them the best care that they can and that they don't, you don't have to be there tending to every need of your loved one, as long as they're being cared for, you know, receiving good care from someone and you're responsible for that, then that's your way of caring for them. And that's you doing your best. And just to let them know that, you know, they're just trying their, their best and that that's really all that they can do. Um, and they're, they're probably always going to feel guilty about something, but that just, that doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. That just means that they love the person that much that they wish they could always do more. But as long as their loved one is getting good care, you know, that's, that's really all you can do with this disease. Can you think back um, to, as your mom progressed in, in the disease, can you think back to any moments or people uh, that kind of surrounded you um, and helped you through that time that were notable or characteristics that you think, you know, that was really helpful to me in that time and place of what I was going through? I mean, we did have some family members who helped out a little bit um, just with maybe coming over a day or so or taking care of my mom. Um, I did not feel like I really had that support from like my close friends or close family members because it, they didn't understand what they were going through either. Um, but once I connected with some people online who had been there, had been through what I went through and could share their experience and just, just someone saying that, you know, I get it. I understand. I know what you're going through and making me feel like, I wasn't crazy for thinking the things that I did and that this is really hard. And that's why you feel the way that you do. And just, um, you know, knowing that someone else understood what I was going through and I knew that they weren't going to be able to take my pain away or necessarily make it any easier, but just knowing that someone, you know, was making me feel validated and heard um, and really no one in, 
particular, but just some people that I met through my writing, um, people that I met, you know, online and social media, just, I think the really um, good resource is, is someone else who's been through what you're going through and that they can let you know there, there is light on the other end and you are going to get through it. Well, that's extremely helpful. And, you know, I think um, one of the things that you touched on is, uh, and I, I can't state it as eloquently as you did, but from a family member's perspective, I do think, and I hear a lot, that one of the big things that causes and fuels a lot of the guilt is them feeling like when they're placing or partnering with a community, they feel guilty because they they feel like somebody else is doing it and they're not doing it all. And I think for a lot of people, it is comforting uh, when they hear you talk about having been down this road that it's okay you don't have to try to be everything to to them. And in many cases, and in most cases, you can't be. And so, um, you know, I've also heard it say, you know, you've got to be able to take care of yourself before you can even take care of them. And through the years, how many people I've seen that, that come to our communities after, you know, probably trying to do that for so long and it's so negatively it's probably taken years off of that the caregiver's life and so it's such an important role and it's such a interesting time i know your book um your writings your clubhouse presentations your podcast and all that you're doing is is such an awesome investment you're making into the support community um and and so thankful for the resources that that you're providing well thank you so much that means a lot you know, I can just hope that by sharing my story and things that I've been through and lessons that I have learned that, you know, it can help someone else who's going through it. And maybe they can avoid some of the suffering uh, that I went through when my mom was living with the disease. Lauren Dykovitz, two-time author, When Only Love Remains, the new book out. You can get it on Amazon. We'll make sure that we connect uh, in the show notes, all of your links and your Instagram page and links to the book for people to connect with you. Thank you for spending time with us today and sharing your story. Sure. Thank you guys so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to share my story. And to all of our listeners, if you want to connect on a deeper level, go to btgvoice.com and you can download this episode and many others. Connect with us on social, send us a message, like and comment on our LinkedIn page and others. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.